welcome back to another episode of I'm Coming Out, the podcast where well-known people tell me, Johnny Harvey, the coming out stories. And today's guest is Darren Kennedy. Darren is a TV presenter and has hosted shows for the BBC, Channel 5, and you can regularly see him on ITV's This Morning. He is a columnist for the Irish Independent and his writing has also been featured in the Telegraph and Attitude magazine. Darren has designed a range of glasses with spec savers and he has established his own skincare and grooming brand Kennedy & Co. He is also a top lifestyle influencer and one of the UK and Ireland's most stylish men. A very busy man indeed. Darren is a household name in Ireland. I see him in the Irish media a lot. And he's always struck me as someone who is very together, incredibly self-possessed. So I really wanted to interview him and find out more about his backstory. We met up in Dublin and Darren told me about feeling different growing up, his teenage crushes, the bullying he encountered throughout his adolescence and how it ultimately made him stronger the first person he came out to and how he felt when marriage equality was passed in Ireland. Please leave a rating or review on iTunes as it really helps me and helps other people to discover the podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening and here it is. So let's start right at the very beginning. Can you tell me a bit about your background and where you're from? Well, I grew up in Dublin, so I'm a dub born and bred. I grew up in Santry, the north side of the city. For anyone not familiar with Dublin, and I had a lovely upbringing, really. One of three kids, well, four kids, really, but one, uh, Michael, uh, who was nine months, ten months older than me, never joined us on this earth, so really there's only three of us, and middle kid, Middle child apparently is the best communicator. I haven't heard that one. Yeah, yeah, because you have to deal with like older people, younger people. And actually, we're all quite spaced out. So my brother is five years older than me, and my sister's six years younger than me. So it was very kind of doorstep. And, quite uh, sensible planning there. Yeah, well, I think it was. Yeah, I think mum and dad were just like, no, can't handle any more of this, and I need to give it a few more years. So do you remember uh, when you first learned about being gay or what even homosexuality was? Did you have that definitive moment? No. No, I never really did. You know, it was kind of learning as I go. Like, I never really... There was no one gay in my family. There was no one really gay in my world, to be honest. Um, You know, so it was quite sheltered. I remember, I think the first time I kind of encountered what I thought was gay was probably Boy George. I think it was uh, the same for me as well. Yeah, you know, so that was kind of, you were kind of like, whoa, what's this? And then even George Michael much later. But they would have been kind of the two um, most prominent people in the public eye that were gay. And they weren't even Irish, so you couldn't really relate to them. Do you know what I mean? They were yeah. off in swanky London. Yeah, because when you think about it during the 90s, there was hardly any representation in the media, really. Compared to now, it's completely done a 180-degree turn. Mm. There really was just Alton John, Boy George... And then George Michael was kind of forced out in the late 90s. Yeah. Yeah, so there, there really weren't very and many people. In the Irish context, I don't think I can think of anybody. I mean, Senator David Norris, I know, but I wouldn't have been aware of him. He wouldn't have been on my radar at that time. So I don't actually think there was anybody. That's a good point, actually. I no. can't think of any other no. famous Irish people at the time. No. And when did you first have an inkling? When did you first think to yourself... I might be gay. Oh, I knew I was different from a very young age. I didn't know what that was. Um, didn't have the language for it. Didn't have the language, didn't have a concept of it, obviously. You know, I was five, six, maybe even younger. And you just identified something different. And, like, it was just 
a very, very mild awareness of something and I had no idea what it was. But looking back on it, you can now kind of join the dots. But then it was really when I kind of hit 10, 11, 12, I knew that I was, again, wasn't fitting the mold. So yeah, it would have been around then. That's a really good way of putting it, actually. Mm. You weren't able to identify exactly what it was. You knew something was different. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely at a very young age. And then obviously when you hit your teenage years and you know you understand more about the world and about sexuality and the fact that boys are with girls and sometimes boys are with boys, but you don't know that. Or girls are with girls, you know, so that, that was tricky. And do you remember around that time, who were your first crushes? Who made you think maybe I might be gay? Oh my God, no, I had loads of crushes and I knew I was pretty much gay. Yeah. Uh, Robbie Williams. Robbie Williams? Yeah, yeah, actually pretty much everyone would take that. Uh, they were a good looking boy band they were in fairness and who else five I mean pretty much all the boy bands no but I actually had a real crush on and I can't even remember his name now, isn't oh, oh yeah um, Jamie Redknapp oh he's so incredibly handsome yeah yeah and I've met him but I was yeah. very disappointed <laughs> didn't live up to the expectations uh, I just yeah yeah I just you know time had passed so adolescence that tends to be a very difficult time for LGBT people especially as you start to discover your sexual identity how were those years for you and those and those school days um school was tough they were very difficult days first and second year so i changed school from my primary school to my secondary school so that was already quite unsettling and i think like many irish people i went to an all like same sex school so i went to a, a an all boys christian brothers school on collins avenue in whitehall and where really you know if you played uh, gaelic football you were revered to a certain extent um, and then any other kind of sport we didn't really do athletics maybe a little bit but it was really it was all about GAA um, which was fine but I just wasn't into it so that was an immediate kind of differentiator and kind of so straight away you go into a new school a lot of 90% of the people in that school would have known each other had a context for each other and I was kind of the new boy so that kind of can be a good thing and, and, and not so good thing. But then it was really, as the years progressed in school, I wasn't, you know, your typical lad, really. And I started realizing that I was feeling a bit different, wasn't sure what that meant or where that was going, or maybe everyone feels that way. You know, those, those you've no yeah. reference point and there's no one, well, I had no one I could talk to. <clears throat> or Anna, even if I did, I was afraid to talk to them. You're outing yourself in a way. Yeah, well, I wasn't ready because I didn't know if I was gay, so. Um, yeah, they were they were difficult times. And so, I know as a teenager myself in Ireland, I really struggled with that. It felt to me like a really, really macho culture. As you already mentioned, the GAA and the football, and a lot of people were very big into going to the pub and to drinking. And it, I felt I really couldn't identify with that world. So, was that particularly tough? Did you feel like you could fully express yourself and who you were, or that you could really tap into who you were during those years or did you have to really stifle yourself or? I just felt a bit alien yeah. you know I just didn't I wasn't the norm and people identified that as well which was also tough and you know young boys that can be bullies and young, uh, young kids are you know they can be quite vicious as we know and yeah just kind of not knowing maybe what your place is or not feeling you have a place is a difficult um, it's difficult for anybody it's unsettling and you're going through a lot of change physically emotionally, hormones, and then everything else layered on top of that. So it is something that I, and I always think this, I think young gay people, particularly of 
and I think it still applies to today, go through a lot more than maybe you're on, on a developmental level, on figuring, figuring out who you are, because you have to at a much quicker pace than maybe the average person. Now, obviously, everyone has their own That's journey, true. but I just think it, you know, it really makes you, it makes you toughen up. It made me toughen up, and I, I, I would never describe myself as a tough person, but what I mean is a thick skin. You drew a lot of strength from it. Yeah, but it nearly broke me. While I look back on it now and I go, actually, you know, none of that, well, it was a hardship at the time, it's made me who I am today, but at the same time, it breaks my heart to think that anyone else would have to go through that or could be going through that. Because sometimes people go solo, they don't recover, you know, and that's the thing that, would re- that I would struggle with. And I did reach a point where it was almost a breaking point, but thankfully, um, I came back. And you mentioned there about the kids being mean. Sorry, I have to press you on that. Sorry to go back about that. But what form did that take? Bullying. Just bullying. Um, I was egged. I was called names. I was, you know, kind of ostracised in a way. And that was really difficult. Really, really difficult. But... It takes a real toll mentally, doesn't it? Especially at that age because your world is so small. Mm. I was very lucky because I had a very loving family and home was always very safe. A safe place for me. Um, even though I wouldn't have, I didn't ever bring it home, or I would never tell them, because I didn't want to. I didn't want to bring the bullies into the house. Quite literally, that's how I kind of thought about it. If I talk about it, I'm actually inviting them into my home, which was my safe space. Um, so I never did that. But uh, and I did have some good friends, and I've developed like most of my closest friends and my friends that I met when I was 14, 15 oh, years old. Right. However, none of them were of school, and that most of them were female. Um, and that's, I think, kind of a fundamental issue in the kind of education system as well. Is you know, I felt isolated because I think if I'd have been in an all boys school, it would have, uh, sorry, a mixed school, it would have been different. A little bit easier. Yeah, yeah. So. And so, what would you say to any gay teenagers or any LGBT youth who are struggling with their sexuality or having similar experiences in school today? What would be your advice to them? My advice would be to, you know, stick at it, put your head down, do whatever you have to do to get through it, and just remember that, you know, your best days are to come. And I think that's the thing, and you kind of look at it now, and, you know, it kind of sounds, it's kind of bizarre, but, like, I've subsequently bumped into people that I was in school with that were the bullies, and nine times out of ten, I never recognised them, because they peaked when they were 16, when they were bullying me, and now, you know, they're just in the humdrum of their lives and I kind of look at them and listen I would never judge anyone now based on their 15 or 16 year old self so gracious of you but I just kind of think I just kind of think listen I'm still angry (laughs) no but I kind of think what's I'm not wasting any more energy like it was it took enough out of me at the time you know I hope for your sake that you've changed and you you know you've grown up and if you haven't it's not my problem (laughs) that's how I approach it you're so wise aren't you no, I wouldn't say that, but like live and let live and to be honest, I don't really have time to for where possible the negative energy. I mean, we all have negative days or things in our lives, but I'll always try and move on from it very fast because I think, it, what's the point in dwelling on it? It just becomes like a bad mental habit, doesn't it? Exactly, and I think habit is the key word there. Um, and I think you can absolutely train yourself to be more positive and to have a positive outlook in life. And it's true, some people are a glass half full, some are a half glass empty, but you can change that. It takes work, it takes effort, even if it's not your natural disposition, but you absolutely can. I know, I need to do some more work on that. I can feel myself slowly becoming grumpier as the years go on. Oh, really? Yeah. 
I think everyone gets a bit grumpier, don't they? Grumpy and narky, mm. so yeah, now you are right. I have to train myself to think and speak more positively. So who did you come out to, first of all, then? Uh, the very first person I came out to was my, she's still one of my best friends, Roisin. And we, yeah, we, we're both Capricorns. There's four days between us. But we're very, we're very, very close. She now lives in London, actually, and uh, she was one of the first people I came out to, and she was just amazing. And I remember telling her in the corner of Griffith Avenue, opposite, because she lived opposite the police station there in Griffith Avenue. And I remember we were coming home from the cinema or somewhere, and I was chatting to her, and I was kind of like, I was chomping at the bit to tell her, but I was so nervous, and I was like, uh, reluctant, and I kept going to say it, and then I didn't say it, and then she was like, "You're right, Darren." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And I was like, "I'm gay," <laughs> and you know, she gave me a hug, and you know, she it was amazing, an amazing experience. And then after that, I came out to my brother next. Who, it's very brave of you. And what age were you at this time? Sixteen. Yeah. 16, yeah, fifteen, sixteen, and uh, yeah, they were all very positive. Actually, I had very positive coming out experiences. Uh, my, my parents were a bit. It was a bit touch and go, but we got through it. It's always a shock at first. Yeah, exactly. You were only 16, so relatively youngish. Yeah. By well, some people's standards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I wasn't ready to do it any sooner. Yeah. You know, so. Oh, I did it much later, officially. Like, I was 21, 22. Were you? Well, yeah. listen, there are people who so do it, it took, took me much a whole later lot still. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you remember, oh, you do, you remember saying those two words, uh, I'm gay, out loud for the first time to your friend. Mm -hmm. How did that feel? Was it a really surreal, outer body experience? It was liberating. I think I might have said, I think I'm gay. <laughs> Just to kind of like give me a little get out of, uh, get out of jail. Card. Yeah, at, at the very beginning, in the very, very early days. Uh, no, it was amazing actually, because she was interested. And she was like curious and we, we'd had these conversations and then all of a sudden I could talk about like people I thought were hot or you know were, was attracted to when I could never actually do that before. You know the way you'd have chat, oh my god, yeah. did you see such and such, you know that type of thing. I'd never been able to have those conversations before really, you know, or you might have said it about girls but never meant it, you know, it was a bit of a cover. And I think that's the thing, I think, you know, regardless of what age you are when you come out, I think the most important thing is that you do come out because otherwise you're covering. And no one's living their kind of fullest life if you're if you're covering something, you know. It's kind of really to allow yourself step into whoever you are. You have to be just open, honest, and uh, be living your truth, really. Yeah, and you constantly have to be censoring everything. If you're well, not a lot of what you're saying, yeah. if you're not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it takes a lot of a lot of mental energy. What's well, a lot of energy and effort that could be going into making yourself happy or whatever, you know? succeeding in your career, building your family, whatever it is you want to do. Very true. And do you remember going to a gay bar or club for the first time? Uh, yeah. Um, the George was the first club I ever went to. Um, and I used to go in with, I, I used to go to the front lounge as well at the time. I can't remember which I went to first, but I remember the George and I'd be at home and I'd just say to my parents, oh, I'm heading out or I'm going to cinema or whatever. And I'd call into my friend's house and we'd have a few drinks. I'd change my clothes into my gay clothes, uh, which were was basically like something that was a tiny bit more flamboyant than jeans and a t-shirt. Uh, and like when I say flamboyant, it was totally not flamboyant, but in my head it was like, oh my God, I look so gay in but these clothes. at that clothes. time it would have been. Yeah, exactly. That can provoke a reaction in, from certain well, again, or certain people. Yeah, and clothes are an identifier, you know? I mean, they say a lot about you. And, uh, 
yeah and I actually remember one of my outfits it was I had a white sleeveless t-shirt with these grey billowy pants I mean it's horrific when I look back to it now and uh, we'd get was changed was that like ter- that was around the time of the millennium yeah, yeah. Was it was like, like boy band look NSYNC days yes <laughs> and uh, we'd head out to the George and just like dance our socks off and have a laugh so that must have been incredibly freeing to go to a gay club for the first time I'd be terrified I remember being terrified actually walking in in case anyone saw me walking in Dublin is so small yeah well yeah. listen you know but at that time you just don't know who's around if anyone see so if anyone saw me I would effectively have been outed yourself I, yeah. yeah so that was the biggest fear but once you got inside the door it was like ha. Ah. and then I used to be worried about what if I meet someone I know inside and I'm like well then they're in the same boat so you reasoned it that way mm. I, I just got over <laughs> I ran into my old French teacher the first time I did you yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's, that's Dublin so uh, how do you think growing up gay has impacted on your life long term well, you know, I think, and I kind of touched on this earlier on, every experience makes me what I am today. So, you know, well, the tough times create resilience, probably spurred me on, determination, all those things. So, and I always say this to anybody, you know, sometimes people ask me, oh, I want to, you know, I want to work in TV or I want to change my career, but I'm stuck in X, Y, or Z. And I kind of go, do you know what? Every experience until now is valuable. So don't ever discount it. But now you need to make the next, take the next steps to get where you want. So using that same kind of advice, I look back at my own life and go, everything I've experienced, there's a reason to it. I might necessarily know the reason um, or understand it, but yeah, I don't, again, I don't look back negatively. Now, some, some, there are certain parts that hurt. And um, when you think about them too much, they absolutely hurt and can be quite raw, but they're still a part of who I am. So that's, that's how I like look at Probably things. wise and, and balanced you are. You're like an I, Irish Oprah. I love Oprah. I would yeah, I think I am quite balanced on general. I always think everything in moderation. You know, you work hard but you should also have fun and you should also have time off and you know, yeah. You'd be great for a daily pep talk actually. <laughs> so you recently appeared on the Irish Dancing with the Stars. You did great by the way. Thank you. Do you think it's time there were same-sex dancing couples on these shows? Well, I was pushing for it. I was pushing for it. Um, Because actually, at one point, you do switch-up week. And um, so they originally... I brought it up when one of our early meetings. I said, like, will I be dancing with a man or a woman? And they were like, oh, probably a woman, but would you be open to a man? I said, yeah, of course I would. Now, don't get me wrong, because I always think you've got to remember these shows are... They're ATV... So it's about the experience and be so visual. And I always think if you look at a couple on Dancing with the Stars, so much of the drama and the theatre is brought about by the female's outfit, right? The dress. Okay. And the, so if you have two men, instantly you're, you're, you're cutting that off to a certain extent, unless one of the men's going to wear a dress, but if the man's going to wear a dress, you might as well dance with a woman, you know? Okay. So I was all up for it for Switch Up Week and it just wasn't going to happen this year. I think... Um, Ah, there was various reasons as to why it wasn't going to happen, but 100% were ready for it. it I mean, I was talking about it on the Late Late Show, saying, listen, I'm well up for it. Yeah, of course. Why not? What's the big deal? As I said, like, on the Late Late Show, I said, listen, the, the leader of our country is an openly happy gay man who has his partner and, you know, does all these, you know, very visible appearances with his partner, as he should. 
really an entertainment show on a Sunday night? Could we not bear to see two men or two women dancing together? Has yeah. it happened in America yet? No. There's some country. It's there? Italy, I believe. Oh, the Italians were first. Mm. So it hasn't happened in Britain either with Strictly. No. So you think it might be like a one-off switch-up week? There wouldn't be a. It wouldn't be for the entire series. Well, I think it could be, but I think a switch-up week would be kind of a, a, a Good nice way to introduce it. transition. Yeah. And the thing about it is, as well, if you have two men dancing, a lot, not all dancers, but most dancers are the foundation of the dance is a man and a woman. Like they're structured in such a way, like the Argentinian tango. You know, is so if you're going to change that, you're fundamentally changing a bit of the, the what makes the dance the dance which is fine but it just means from a preparation point of view it takes a lot more to organise in terms of choreography uh, staging and all those things so it can absolutely be done but I don't, I don't think you can just go oh listen let's just try it today and be yeah. grand yeah a lot of prep needs to go yeah. into it listen a lot of prep goes into these things anyway so no yeah. harm and going back to the referendum which has come up to Four years now. Mm-hmm. So we were the four first years country. In May. Yes, four years in May. So the first country in the world to vote for same-sex marriage by by referendum, by popular vote. So how did you feel on that day? Oh God, I felt very um, very emotional. Yeah, I I think back to that day and I still get kind of shivers because it was it was well it was a validation, wasn't it? was kind of a validation and you know it was your your fellow citizens straight gay doesn't matter who were going yes you absolutely are an equal you are my equal and you should be seen as someone in in the eyes of the law even though i never felt unequal at the same time there was an inequality i couldn't do the things that my sister and my brother could do and I would always question, there would always be, there was always something in the back of your mind, even holding hands walking in the street. It's just a little something. Um, so it was amazing. Um, it had a greater impact on me than I ever expected, to be honest. So yeah, very, very proud moment. Yeah, very surreal day. Mm. Still kind of shocked that happens. Euphoric, yeah, yeah it was just, it was. The, the atmosphere in the city was incredible. And that's something that I've noticed now in the last four years. I have started to notice same-sex couples holding hands, walking around Dublin. Listen, hugely, I mean, like massively, and I think it's such an open vibe, and people, I was just in Lisbon there a couple of weeks ago, and it's, and I thought, you, you know, Lisbon would be super liberal and, and all that, did not have the same feeling. At all. And I was, yeah, and like, you didn't see any same sex, I saw one in five days, and I was right in the centre of Lisbon, I saw one couple holding hands, and I think there were two girls, but didn't see anything else, which I thought was, which I was very surprised at. Uh, likewise, I mean, London's interesting. The scary thing about London is I've heard recently of a lot of uh, kind of homophobia um, amongst friends of mine, various friends who would, you know, be on the tube with their partner or walking the street and the homophobia, like slurs and stuff like that, which is, I think that's all, well, at least in my experience, it has definitely abated in Dublin. There seems to be a bit of, have been a bit of a shift in Britain with the rise of right-wing politics yeah. or maybe after Brexit there seems to have been a, a rise in, scary. in scary hate times. crimes. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely noticed that as well. It's amazing how much Ireland has changed in a relatively short period of time. It's like our whole image has done had a complete overhaul. It's incredible. It is incredible. And sometimes it's only when you leave that you realise how incredible it is to... to you know, to call Ireland home and to be a citizen here where we do have such amazing, amazing freedom and rights and, 
but we live in I find personally quite scary times quite troubling I times agree. between Trump and everything he's doing to reverse the advances that like the Barack Obama administration and even Clinton performed to progress gay rights and equality uh, right across the board to this kind of fear mongering is, is and then of course Brexit is another thing and I you know a big part of my business is in the UK so there's, there's a lot of uh, so a lot challenges there. there. Yeah. 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 And so finally, also on Dancing with the Stars, we all saw your incredible, incredible abs. <laughs> oh, so they looked, no, they looked uh, very well. Uh, obviously, thanks. <laughs> very well. I'm like, oh, no, I don't know that. Thanks. <laughs> uh, so obviously, so much of gay culture really glorifies that muscular physique, and with social media, particularly in the last ten years, it's completely exploded. I was just wondering, do you yourself, are you bothered by that? Does that influence you in any way or...? I wouldn't say it influences me, but I think, you know, I think we all feel a certain amount of pressure. Um, and I think it's across the board. It isn't just, uh, you know, an issue for gay men. It's, you know, everybody. I think women have, you know, as we know, been under this pressure for maybe 20, 30 years yeah, now. Very true. And men are catching up. And I don't think that's a, a good thing. I think... The Instagram world has accelerated that. The body, beautiful, everything beautiful, everything fake. And that's the really scary thing. And for me, it's about health and well-being. I'm not a slave to the gym. I don't strive to be a clone. And I think that's the funny thing. When you do see the clones, you know, these, you know, it's almost like an assembled body from like a shop, you know, literally a G.I. Joe. Um, and that's, you know, that's not something that appeals to me. And I don't judge anyone who it does. Um, but for me, and for a long time, kind of staying fit, has been a big part of my routine since I went out on my own and started working for myself. I went from this environment where I was working with lots of people and a part of a team to being very isolated. And I remember I was struggling and I went, okay, I need to give myself structure in my day. So part of that was going to the gym. And, you know, going to the gym for 35, 40 minutes in the morning, say between 10 and 11, it was a point, it was a, a kind of point in the day. It was also when I kind of spoke to people for the first time during the day, not on the phone, face to face. And so that became part of my, my routine and it's something that I've done for the past 15 years. Yeah, a lot of non-gym goers tend to dismiss it always as something that's purely vanity. When in a lot of cases it is something that you know, gives structure to your day, yeah. it helps up your mood, yeah. it helps you to be more sociable. It allows you to have a big lunch. Yes. And not feel, like I love my food so I always say I go to the gym so I can eat what I want. And that's kind of, that is a big part of it, you know, but there is the, you know, the, the other aspects of it. And you're right, it does, it does pep up your mood. It does, you know, it, it awakens you. So when summer comes around, you're going to the beach, you're like, oh, Jesus, I'm going to have to take my top off <laughs> and be on the beach. I mean, I think everyone feels the same. Oh, it's huge pressure. Yeah, it's just some, body pe ready. some people aren't maybe as motivated, Yeah. you know, or they don't have the space or they don't know what they're doing or they don't know how to approach it or whatever. So... so much for doing the interview it was really great chatting to you my pleasure Jonathan thanks for um, having me yeah, best of luck with us thanks very much thank you Darren